Today we finish up, the last Sunday of November, we finish up really a 14-week, it's taken us longer to get there but because we've had a couple of breaks, a 14-week series on heroes of the faith. And so today we finish up, but let me just go back. Can I go back just for a, show you where we've been? We began way back 14, probably 15, 16 weeks ago before, gosh, I don't know how long everything's post and, and, uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey. I don't remember when we started, but it was a good while back. We started with Old Testament heroes of the faith, life lessons from Old Testament and New Testament heroes of the faith. Here's where we've been. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Joshua. We talked about Joseph. We talked about Moses. Everyone say Moses. We talked about David and, and then Daniel and Nehemiah. Those were the Old Testament heroes of the faith. And let me just say to you, if you've missed those, uh, these are great life lessons that all of us can learn from these Old Testament heroes of the faith. They're all online. They're all, uh, some of them are audio, some of them are video. I would encourage you, uh, if you would like some extra homework, if you would like to go back, go to cotrnorth.com and you can tap into these. I think they're even on the a podcast. You can get them on podcasts somehow. And then we started the New Testament and we went through John the Baptist, John the Apostle, Peter and Luke, Stephen, Paul. And today we are going to finish in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. Are you in Acts chapter 10? If you're in Acts chapter 10, say I'm there, pastor. Amen. And so Cornelius is a wonderful illustration. And by, and when we get done today, you're going to go, this guy was a hero of the faith. And so I want to encourage you to listen carefully. Let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to speak to us as we, as we share the word of God today. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I want to call this Cornelius a man fully devoted. Now, I'm just going to tell you the story of Acts chapter 10. Uh, and I want you to, to go home this week and read Acts chapter 10 and 11. That's your suggested reading. I want you to digest the character and the, and the demeanor and all of what you can just squeeze out of this, this uh, wonderful person by the name of Cornelius. Now, let me introduce him to you. He is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. Okay. And, and he's, uh, it says in chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Let me stop right there. Caesarea, there's a couple of cities named Caesarea. This is Caesarea by the sea, okay? Beverly and I have been there. Anybody been to Caesarea by the sea other than me? Okay, it's a Roman uh, 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 outpost, if you will. It's right on the sea, uh, Mediterranean Sea, and it was it was a... A wealthy area uh, because it was Roman uh, uh, influence, and so he is a um, a centurion of the uh, um, uh, Roman or Italian regiment. In verse two, it says, "A devout man and one who feared God." Now, remember, he's not a Jew; he's a Gentile. All the Gentiles in the house say, "Amen." 
Okay, there we go. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. Okay, this guy has got it going on. He is not a a Jew, he's a Gentile, and he's there at Caesarea by the sea. Let me just throw you a couple of slides up. These are a couple of slides that of pictures that I took back in 2006. I want you to see, if you can see that, do you see me there? Can you see me? Now, this is, anybody know what this is that I'm setting on right here? Anybody have any ideas? This is a Roman latrine right here. There it is. It's a potty, okay? And uh, that's our guide there. And then the second one uh, uh, is, this was a Roman, uh, what, do you call, what do you think that is? That's a jacuzzi, man. And they would actually heat those, heat the floor up underneath there. These guys had it going on. This is where, this is where, uh, Cornelius lived, okay? And as you know the story, though he was not a Jew, and how many of you know the Jews at that time didn't believe that the gospel was for anybody but the Jews, right? In fact, when you read this story, you're going to find out that Peter was a little apprehensive going to his house. And so here we find Cornelius praying to God. He's seeking God. And an angel shows up and says this, The ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in saying to him, Cornelius. How many of you know that gets your attention? Nobody? How many of you know that gets your attention? And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. And then he says, I want you to send and go find Peter, Simon Peter, who is at the house of Simon the Tanner down in Joppa. And you bring him here and he's going to share the word of the Lord with you. So that's what he does. He obeys the word of the Lord. And as those guys were, it's a day's journey or two down to Joppa as they were headed down there, uh, Cornelius ambassadors, Peter is praying and Peter's praying and seeking God and he falls into a trance. Okay. Now remember Peter and the church believed uh, once again, that the gospel, the good news, the outpouring of the Holy spirit was for the Jews only. And so here's Peter praying and he, and he falls into a trance and he has a vision from God. And this vision is as though a curtain was falling, coming down from heaven or a big sheet, and in this big sheet were all kinds of unclean animals and things that, that Jews are not supposed to eat or take part of. And, and the voice from heaven says what? Somebody say, tell me, what the, <coughs> pardon me, what does the voice from heaven say? Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, no, I can't do that. I've never done that before. And he's a little, he's not understanding. And it comes down again. Arise, everyone say, arise, Peter kill and eat. Three times it happened. And as he was coming out of this vision and going, what was that all about? Here's these guys knocking on his door. And the spirit of God says, there's some guys that have been sent to get you and take you. You go with them. Just that the spirit of God spoke to him. You go with them. And so here's Peter going with these guys and they go to Caesarea by the sea to the house of Cornelius. Everyone say Cornelius. And so they come together and he says, I really don't understand why I'm here. And so Cornelius explains to him what the spirit of God spoke to him to do. And he said, we're here. In fact, it says this, that he, he and his family were gathered together. (coughs) 
pardon me, and we're here, not Gentile, not Jews, but Gentiles, to hear what you have, God has commanded you to say to us. And so Peter began to put two and two together, the vision, the people. Okay, he's beginning to understand maybe God is opening the door to the Gentiles. Now, let me stop right here. I believe this is one of the most keynote experiences in the New Testament for the church because now the church's doors are beginning to open to everyone. Everyone say, whosoever will. Look at your neighbor and say, aren't you glad he said, whosoever will. Man, the Gentiles, the gospel is now being opened and Peter's putting two and two together. Okay. And then he says, you know what? I guess God's in this. And he begins to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very simply, very clearly, he shares the gospel. Now, what do you remember the gospel as? The gospel is just very simple. Jesus Christ came to planet earth as a sinless son of God, died on a cross for our sins, paid the price for our sins and then was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he rose again so we could have new life. Just, hey, how many of you believe that's, that's the good news right there? And so that's the gospel. And that's what Peter preached to Cornelius and his friends and family that were there in his house. And as Peter was preaching, when he, in fact, look at verse 43. He gets to the apex of the gospel message. And it says to him, all the prophets, prophets witness that through his name, speaking of Jesus, who, <coughs> pardon me, whoever believes, catch this, in him will receive remission of sins. Whoever what? Whoever believes in him receives remission of sins. And you know what happened when he said that? As he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell down on that whole house. And they began to pray in the Spirit. They began, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And the people that came with Peter, he had some folks with, he had some witnesses. He had some eyewitnesses who were Jews went with him. And they were all astounded. They were amazed. In fact, the Greek word is they were beside themselves. Have you ever been beside yourself? You went, oh man, they're just, uh, it just blew them away. And so then they began to realize, man, God is in this. He has opened the door to the Gentiles to receive the same as we and Peter said basically this man if the Holy Ghost came down upon them they're willing to receive and God gave this to them we ought to baptize them so they had a big baptism stayed with them a few days and Peter and his gang go back to the church and starts telling them about it and everybody got nervous now you got to tell us about this he says this, look over in Acts chapter 11. He's recounting this experience. I'm going to get to Cornelius in a moment. And he says in verse 13, and he told us how he had seen an angel talking about what Cornelius said, standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us in the beginning. He said, this is what he said. The angel said to me, you get Peter and whatever he tells you, when you hear it, it will give you an inroad, if you will, to be saved. And he and all his household were born again. Everybody say amen. amen. And that's the story. Everybody go, whoo. 
Now, that's, that's a hugely significant, and the reason it is, is because you and I now can be born again. Had that not happened, we would be, among all men, most miserable. But today we are born again because God opened the, the door, if you will, through this supernatural gathering, through this supernatural meeting between Peter and a few of his uh, uh, sidekicks and, and this man called Cornelius, who was a devout man. And that's why I believe Cornelius should be considered as a real New Testament hero of the faith. He put himself in a place where God could use him and God did use him to bring about an opportunity for the gospel of God to be, to be shared with all the world. Somebody say amen. Now, let me give you a memory verse. You want a memory verse today? It's not from Acts chapter 10, but let me give this to you because I believe this is what God was doing in the life of Cornelius for the sake of all humanity. Romans 2 chapter, uh, Romans chapter 2 verse 4, the latter part basically says this, knowing that the goodness of God leads you, that should be an S, that's my mistake, leads you to repentance. Everyone say this, knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. You know what I believe God was doing in the life of Cornelius? He was leading him to a place where he could be born again. How many of you appreciate God doing that? How many of you can say, God's done that in my life? He led me to a place. He orchestrated a scenario and a scene in my life. And, and I came to a place where I, I, I was, I met Jesus and I was born again. And that's what happened in Cornelius' life. And had that not happened, we wouldn't be here today. God would have, maybe God would have used someone else, but he used Cornelius. And so I want to talk to you about who he was for just a moment. And then I'm going to give you some life lessons that we can draw from his life. Uh, and so I want you to write these down. Number one, Cornelius' personal piety. That means his, his religious irreverence. He, he was very reverent towards God. He was not religious in nature, but he really was a seeker of God. Uh, and he had some characteristics going on and some things going on in his life, even before he was born again, that got God's attention. Now, that's pretty exciting. You see, you don't have to be born again in order to get to God. You get to God and you can be born again. And so well, let's look at his life for just a moment. Number one, he was a man of great devotion and reverence. It says this. This is what the Holy Spirit inspired Luke, the author of Acts, to say about him. He was a devout man, verse 2, and one who feared God with all his household. Not only did he fear God, but he made sure his household had a reverence of God. And he was a devout man. That's a word that talks about, about uh, endeavoring to be right and holy. He was devout with all his household. And look what he did. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed to God always. This is a guy who had never been born again. He's coming into God. He's seeking God. Now, when you look at this, his life and you look at others, it's the God. In fact, Peter says this in his message. He says, you know, look in verse 37, this word speaking about the gospel, 
which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And what, what's uh, uh, Peter saying? This gospel was spreading everywhere, and these Gentile, especially Cornelius, they had heard. They began to get hungry for what they were hearing and what they were seeing and how God was delivering people who were oppressed of the devil. And it began to spread beyond the ranks of the Jews. And it stirred up Cornelius to the place where he, in fact, I can't prove this, but he could have at one time lived in the Galilee where Jesus' ministry began. There's some, there's some things that, that you could, it's all conjecture, but there's some stories in the New Testament. There's one about a centurion. If you remember this centurion in Luke seven, he, he had heard Jesus was a healer and he was, he was benevolent and, and caring toward Jews, even though he was not a Jew. He was just like, uh, Cornelius, though it doesn't call him Cornelius. And one of his servants got sick, uh, and uh, unto death. And, and this, uh, uh, centurion there, in the Galilee said to Jesus, if, if, uh, could you come and heal? No, Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And he said, basically, there's no, you don't need to come and heal him. Just speak the word. And I know my servant will be healed. And, and Jesus said, I'm not seeing so great faith knowing all of Israel. Now that doesn't say that's Cornelius, but, uh, uh, some people think it possibly could be. Uh, and so Jesus spoke the word and his servant was healed that very hour. Uh, and so uh, I have a feeling and I think possibly it's just my thoughts that Cornelius could have been that guy. If not, he had to have heard. I think maybe he even heard the, the sermon on the mount. Because you remember the sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 6? There's three things, the whens. When you give... When you pray and when you fast, everyone say, when you give, when you pray and when you fast, you know what Cornelius was doing? He was giving alms, just like Matthew six, he was praying and he was fasting. Now, that's just my thoughts. I don't know. But somehow, some way, he had began to kick into gear with some of these key ingredients of what it takes to get into the presence of God. So much so that the angel said about him, the angel, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. So Cornelius, he was a man of great devotion and reverence. But number two, he was a man of great leadership and influence because when the people arrived there, when Peter and his entourage arrived, look what it says in verse 24. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and he had called together. Now listen carefully. He had called together his relatives and close friends. Everyone say family and friends. He had called together his family and friends. 
And he had, he was a man of influence and he got them there. I don't know what he said to get them there. Now his family had been hearing him talk about God undoubtedly because he had influenced his family. Remember what verse two says? It says he feared God with all his household. Man, he, he had, he was influencing his family and he was influencing his close friends. And if you look in verse 22, uh, those servants that came, he was also an influencer of the Jews. And he said, and they said, verse 22, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. And so this guy was a man of influence. He was a man of leadership. He led, in fact, a centurion is someone who oversaw a hundred soldiers. He was a man of great influence and leadership. And he used that leadership for the, for the sake of the gospel. Are you with me? Say amen. He brought his family and friends to hear the message that Peter came to bring. Number three, he was a man of care and compassion. He cared about people. He gathered his family and friends to hear the word of the Lord. Listen, if we really care about people, we'll get them where they can hear Jesus, hear the gospel. Are you with me? Say amen. He cared enough for his family to get them to a place where they could hear the message. He gave alms to the poor. He was a generous giver. He cared about others. He was not religious. He was endeavoring to be righteous. He loved people. He cared about people. What a guy. Somebody say, what a guy. And then number four. He was a man of great spiritual hunger. Just his life. He was hungry. Now, look at verse 33. This is what he said. Here's Peter. Peter's come. And he says, so I sent to you immediately. You have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. This guy was hungry. He was hungry for the things of God. How many of you know Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount too, by the way? If you hunger and thirst, blessed is the man who does what? Hungers and thirsts after righteousness. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, what will happen? You will be what? Satisfied. You'll be filled. And so he was hungry for the things of God. He was praying to God always. And evidently, these weren't religious prayers. How many of you know Jesus talked about the religious prayers? God doesn't hear religious prayers. He hears prayers of honesty and sincerity. And when heaven starts saying about your prayer life, hey, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. How many of you know he's praying in the flow? He's in the flow. He's in the, he's calling out to God. He's hungry. He's seeking out the things of God. Somebody say amen. But it wasn't just for him. How many of you know what God wants to do in and through your life? It's not just about you. It's about others. It's about family, friends, and even those that are foreigners who we don't know and maybe we don't know their name or what they look like or how they, uh, how they live. And so, but we see in this illustration, here is where the evangelization of the world began to really unfold. When God poured out his spirit upon what the Bible says, all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. Not just Jewish flesh, but Gentile flesh. Red and yellow, black and white. Somebody say we're all precious in his sight. Amen. Tell somebody we're all precious in his sight. 
And there was Cornelius because of his devotion to God, his influence of family and friends, his care and compassion for others, and his spiritual hunger for God. He and his household and his family and friends were born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. We hear nothing more about Cornelius, but his influence is with us this day. So let me give you some thoughts, some life lessons. Let me give you four here. Uh, cornerstone lessons from the life of Cornelius. Let's just, let me give you these thoughts. They all have, 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 have a scriptural basis uh, and even a reference to the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of them. Number one, if we seek him with all our heart, we will find him. That's what Cornelius was doing. He was seeking after God. He was praying to God always. And if you seek the Lord, that's what the Word of God says. If we seek Him with all our heart, we'll find Him. Amen. Number two, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. We've got a hunger. I mean, if you know, if you're not hungry, you don't eat. You got a hunger. He began to hunger and thirst after this relationship with God. So much so that he was fasting and praying. He set aside his hunger of food because he was so hungry for God. When's the last time we set aside our own natural desires for the sake of seeking after and hungering and thirsting after the things of God in our life? Number three, if we say we care for others, it will be evident in how we influence others. Some people say, well, I care about, in fact, my, I have a pastor friend sent me a text. We were talking back and forth about the word of the Lord. He said, we've just lost our care for the lost. If we say we care, it's evident in what we do. And it's undoubtedly evident in the life of Cornelius that in his heart, he wanted others to begin to experience what he felt God wanted to give him. Number four. If people are going to be saved, they need to hear the gospel and believe the gospel. Interesting thing. The angel, how many of you believe the angel who visited Cornelius probably knew the gospel? Well, sure he did. But the angel didn't share with him the gospel. And this is where I believe this is historic for all of us because the Romans chapter 10 validates this truth. The, the, the premise set forth is this. People are born again by the preaching and the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Peter shared the gospel, and that's what, in fact, that's what Peter says with the church in 11, in chapter 11. It says, he said that he, the angel said he would tell us words by which we in our household, me and my household would be saved. And I want to say to you, people aren't born again through angelic visitation and we can pray for them all we want, but God wants to send us just like he sent Peter to people who are lost and without Christ and share the gospel with them. How many of you call, what's the gospel called? It is what kind of news? 
It's good news. It's good news that we have a way and an inroad to be born again. And that's what Peter preached to Cornelius and his friends and family. And when he got to the point where he rose from the dead and he said, whoever believes uh, in him, uh, there will be remission of sins. I'm telling you, these people were ready. They were believing. And even in mid-sentence, they, their hearts said, you know, and Peter didn't lead them in a sinner's prayer, did he? What they have to do? You know what you have to do to be born again? Believe. I believe that he died for me. He paid a price for my sin. He died and he rose again so I could have new life. Whew, they believed. They were born again. People are going to be saved. They need to hear the gospel and believe the gospel. That's why I Cornelius said to Peter there in verse 33, We're present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. That's why Acts 10, 43, Whoever believes in Him, like I just said, will receive the remission of sins. Turn to Romans chapter 10. And look what Paul said. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on Him And whom they have not believed. In other words, how are they going to call and whom they not believe? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a what? Without a preacher. And how shall they preach unless they have been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People have faith. That's what happened there with Cornelius. They had faith. They heard the word of God. They believed the word of God, they received the word of God, and they were born again. How did it happen? When Peter, and this, by the way, this was heaven's plan. Peter, you come preach. Uh, and Cornelius, y'all sit down and listen. Hear what the gospel is. And then you have an opportunity to be born again. If people are going to be saved, they need to hear the gospel and believe the gospel. How are they ever going to, how, how are they ever going to hear it unless someone shares it? And so what do we learn from Cornelius? Man, we have a great responsibility to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that is without Christ. Our fam, where do we begin? Why don't we begin with our family and friends? Everyone say family and friends. Why don't we begin with family and friends? And that's what Cornelius did. And today the gospel has gone throughout the whole world. Through Gentiles, nation, every tribe, every tongue. When you read Revelation, you'll find there's people from every tribe and tongue and nation born again. How did that happen? Because Cornelius began to seek God. And it was the goodness of God. The kindness of God that led him and his family to a place where they could repent and turn to God. Amen. What a guy. And how do we take his life and how do we take all that was going on in his life and apply it into our life? Let me just give you today's life lesson. It's kind of lengthy. You may have to take a picture. 
The one life we've been given. Let me just look up here and read it. The one life we've been given isn't meant to be wasted on selfish endeavors or worldly pleasures. And by the way, I've been to Caesarea. It was a pretty nice place. You got hot tubs back in the day. But the one life we've been given is meant to be selflessly invested in service to God for the sake of our families, our friends, and even others on foreign lands who need to hear the gospel message and be saved. How's your friends ever going to be born again? How's your family ever going to be born again? Unless they have an opportunity to hear. What did Paul say in Romans? It's faith that comes when you hear the gospel. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, today, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you today that because Peter was obedient to the vision and Cornelius was obedient to summon him, he and his family heard and believed. We thank you today that we're here. But Lord, yet there are so many more who are still lost and without Christ, who have yet to hear the gospel, who have yet to have an opportunity to hear what you have to say and what you've done for all of us. In fact, even today in this gathering of the saints, and maybe there's someone here who's never really chose to believe and put their trust in what Christ has done for them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment. If you're here and you can say, Pastor Sam, I just don't know if I've ever really given my life to Christ. Today, I just want to make sure, just like Cornelius and his family, that I become a child of God. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I just want to know that I know that I know him. I have some question marks in my life and today I want to be at a place where I know that I know that I know him. Anyone lift your hands. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it has the power to produce much fruit in our lives. And Lord, we today, we want to be following the footsteps of Cornelius who was a seeker after God a seeker after truth, a giver, a prayer, a man of good reputation, even with cultures that he was not from. Lord, I thank you today that you've put us in this place to be light and salt in a world that so desperately needs you. Help us this week, Lord, to begin to invite our family and friends. 
I want you right now to pray for family and friends who are lost. Lift their name. Just call their name out to God. Say, God, give me an inroad to my family and friends. Give me an inroad to my family and friends. Come on, begin to pray that. Lord, give us an inroad to our family and friends who are lost and without you, Lord. Lord, let us bring them to a place where they can hear the gospel and be born again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.